Welcome back, everybody. Episode 19 of the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies, sponsored by Fightback CBD. Get 15% off your CBD order at fightbackcbd.com. Use code JJD. All right, big, big, big shout-out to We Defy. The We Defy Foundation, they provide combat veterans coping with military-connected disabilities a long-term means to overcome their challenges through Brazilian jiu-jitsu and fitness training. It's a mouthful. Uh, please check them out at We Defy Foundation on Instagram and WeDefyFoundation.org, okay? Uh, I've got a little something special for gym and academy owners, anybody with a small business. Stay tuned till after our, uh, our first guest. Uh, I'm going to actually have a guest on. that uh, It's a gentleman that I work with. His name is Jonathan Kramer. Uh, we're going to talk a, a little bit about something that we put together. We're going to give you guys, a, it's a really big freebie to help manage the business during the quarantine. So stick with us. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, so episode uh, 19, did I say 18 at the beginning of this? It's episode 19, episode 4. Quarantine episode four. All right. Uh, usually I have three or four really cool guests, David, uh, or uh, co-hosts, I should say. And uh, they're not with me because of the social distancing. Nobody wants to, to catch the corona from me, I guess. So uh, Milton Campus here, Purple Belt, Fight Sports, Coral Springs. Um, David Aguzzi, Grappling Industries, is my guest today. I appreciate you being here, David. Uh, thank you for having me on. No worries, no worries. Uh, we, we love having you here. Um, let's start off with, I usually like to go down, you, you know, somebody's resume, but I don't want to butcher it. So name, rank, serial number. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is David Aguzzi, like you mentioned. I'm the CEO of Grappling Industries. Grappling Industries being an international Brazilian jiu-jitsu grappling tournament. We produce it all around the world. Currently, we're in over 20 countries uh, okay. across three continents, working on our fourth and fifth continent pretty soon before the <laughs> quarantine had occurred. Oh. I'm also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Okay. Um, I've been training since I was 13 years old. I'm 33 now, so that makes 20 years of jiu-jitsu. Um, and I'm just happy to get the opportunity to keep speaking about jiu-jitsu with people. It's pretty fun. Canadian, right? We're, we're speaking to you from where today? I'm from Montreal, Canada. Okay. So uh, the eastern part of Canada, the French part. Okay. I, I it was interesting to to note. I, uh, so you started out in Canada, but your first major market that you opened was not the U.S. Right? After Canada, it wasn't the U.S. So between Canada and the U.S., we actually expanded to Australia first. Okay, all right. Uh, we, we, expanded, we expanded throughout Australia, Melbourne, uh, Sydney, Gold Coast, Brisbane, Adelaide. Um, and then we expanded to the U.S. before eventually going to Europe. Okay. And, you know, uh, elephant in the room, the quarantine, that's obviously affected what you guys do. Uh, you know, give us a rundown, give us an update on, on grappling industries, period. I, I think I was on the website before we, we got uh, on the mics here and you still are showing events in June, but, but fill us in schedule what's going on right now. So since the whole lockdown and event gathering bans have occurred, uh, I think so far we've canceled 43 events till today. That was a refund of cash flow of, I think, about $200,000. Um, that's like pretty much all the cash flow pretty much evaporated <laughs> oh, in that moment. 
Um, we're still very healthy, though, with reserves. Like We have enough reserves to last us uh, at this pace quite a while. So there's no doubt that we'll be returning to producing events once the lockdowns and the event gathering bans have been lifted. Okay. Um, basically, like for us, our last time we promoted an event, I would say was a March 14th, uh, 15th weekend. Okay. We had about four events that weekend. I was in London, UK. Uh, to produce an event there, which was a hotspot actually during the coronavirus wow. um, at, at the beginning. So uh, my fiance was with me. She wasn't very pleased about that one. <laughs> but um, since then, that's when we started canceling events. That's when we started seeing the dry up of sales. We we were going from, let's say, fifteen twenty thousand dollars of sales a day to it would slash in half on the first day then it would slash in half mm. on the second day and then a third and then now now we're trending at maybe like a hundred dollars a day in sales okay so it's been it, it's been quite a fall from grace um you know uh we were we were really excited about this year we had a we had a free world championship occurring later on in june in dallas at the europa games expo which is a massive fitness uh, expo um, we hold most of the fitness expos in the States as well. Mm-hmm. We have the jujitsu deal at the Arnold's. We have the jujitsu deal at the expo at the Europa, which are, these are the biggest fitness expos. So they're, they're quite big. We, we had a lot of big stuff. And for this year, and it kind of just started to evaporate one after one, uh, every single, um, I mean, the week of like March 14th to March 21st, it was like I was on the laptop, I I think like 17 hours a day, just canceling stuff, answering emails, like the number of emails that were coming in about the coronavirus um, and what our plans were were like through the roof. I was I would wake up to 200 emails a morning. I didn't even know that. I didn't even expect that from the jujitsu community, to be honest. Like, uh, you don't really know how big jujitsu is until you're in that situation and everyone is emailing you at once to know about your plans. But uh, right now, everything's just been evaporated. So we're playing the waiting game like pretty much everyone else in the event industry, regardless of what type of event you produce or promote. Um, we're just playing the waiting game. Um, my 15 guys, uh, I, I wanted to try to pay them throughout this, but th- it's hard to pay your employees throughout this when you don't also know when the end date is. So currently, mm-hmm. like all 15 of us are laid off right now, just waiting for the return. Um, having spoken to all of them clearly during the, the lockdown, like gathering ideas with them as well, because we're using the time to improve ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, just not doing anything for three to five months would be a silly idea. You know, a lot of other people could surpass us during yeah. that time. And and we take it like a competition ourselves as far as like competition to competition. We want to be the best. Clearly, we want to we be one of the biggest in the world. Uh, currently, we're number two behind IBJJF. We're ahead of brands like Naga and the UAE Jiu-Jitsu Federation. So we use this opportunity in the meantime to try to surpass them even more and more and catch up to IBJJF. But uh, right now, it's just as everyone can assume, we're just playing the waiting game. So what's going on in Canada outside of jujitsu? Like, you know, here they did payment protection programs for businesses. They gave, you know, the average Joe like myself, they give you 1200 bucks plus $500 per child. Is, is the Canadian government doing anything like that? Or are they putting money in, in oh, the yeah. average person's pocket? Yeah, of course. So yeah. um, we have several different ones. Uh, we fast forwarded uh, the unemployment rate. So uh, it used to take three weeks to get your unemployment. Now it takes only about a week. Um, but 
if uh, the unemployment was only available during this time period for those people who had to be laid off or couldn't work because they either had COVID or were living with someone who had COVID or taking care of someone who had COVID. So for the rest of us, people like myself, for example, uh, the Canadian government has a program. It's called the CERB. It's $2,000 a month, up to 16 weeks. Okay. Um, so you have to apply every four weeks. They would send you $2,000 instantly. You get it in about three to five days. I, okay. I got my first one in like three days. Uh, my second one comes on Monday, I think. Um, so that goes every four weeks, you get $2,000. That's for four months. Um, and businesses, we have a forty thousand dollar loan, uh, ten thousand, which is forgivable as long as you pay back the thirty thousand of the forty thousand within okay. two years. So there's no interest on the forty thousand dollar loan for two years, and then before those two years are over, as long as you get back thirty of the forty, you get to keep ten of it. And the fifteen employees that you said you have, that are they all in Canada or do you include like I, I think I heard you talk about on another a podcast uh, that you've got. Like somebody in, in Australia, right? You've got an event coordinator yeah. out in Australia. I don't know if they have a staff. Are you including those people as well? Yeah. So the 15 is basically everyone that's under me, hired by me okay. full time here at Grappling Industries. Um, Canada, that we actually don't have any employees anymore. Okay. Um, just a little background story about Canada mm -hmm. as well. Um, where I live in Montreal, Quebec, it's illegal to have a jujitsu tournament. It's the only place what? in North America. <laughs> I the only place in North America. It's illegal. So anywhere in Canada, anywhere Why? in the United States. Um, uh, beginning of 2017, um, we were doing some changes to our criminal code in Canada. And they made a change to Article 83.A, which was about prize fighting, I believe. Um, this was just after the UFC had started to expand upon like the regions they could also go to because the UFC mm. was illegal in some places as well. Yeah. So the UFC was trying, like clearly right before that, they were trying to make it legal in Toronto and Ontario and in Quebec to have their UFCs. Um, and somewhere along the lines, uh, jiu-jitsu got grouped in with uh, striking and mixed martial arts and was deemed illegal. So although you're allowed to own a jiu-jitsu gym, you're not allowed to produce a jiu-jitsu tournament. And this all came out, I think, two days before pretty much the UAE Jiu-Jitsu Federation was having their Abu Dhabi Montreal qualifiers. Um, and basically the police came down on it and came down on everyone else. Like I still have the letter wow. somewhere in my desk of uh, the, the police telling me I can't hold my event. And also my private college that we hold the event at in Montreal telling me that I also can't have the event there anymore, which is mm. weird because I... I was promoting events there for five straight years. So, um, so I'm a little confused though. Okay. So you can't put on a jujitsu tournament, but isn't the UFC still sure. running events up there? Or uh, they, UFC hasn't, UFC hasn't done a Montreal event in uh, quite some time. Actually, it's mm -hmm. been a while to be honest. Um, the days of George St. Pierre are long gone as well. Right. Um, so, so then in Ontario, the province right next to us, we still can do Toronto events okay. as grappling industries. However, <laughs> at the same time as they were banning jujitsu in, in the province of Quebec, where I am, um, Ontario added extra regulation. So I could no longer produce a tournament by ourselves. We would then have to be sanctioned by the Ministry of Tourism in Ontario. Okay. Yeah, you, you start to see, you start to see that there's... I'm trying these, to make it a little like, difficult. So so you're, you're yeah. saying that this is, this is by province, not by the entire country, right? It's, it's no, the Canada, regulations of Canada, province. Exactly. In Canada, it's a province by province. Thing. Okay. In, in, in the U.S., it's actually state by state as well, but no state really gives you that much issue. I know in Kansas, they ask, they ask you to pretty much like file a letter, um, 
any time before your event with the Missouri like athletic commission, very simple process, cost less than a hundred dollars. Um, and besides them, I think maybe New York is the newest one. Mm-hmm. Maybe as of like three months ago, New York started adding heavy regulation to jujitsu. Um, wow. but, uh, yeah, I, I, so right now in Canada, I'm, I'm I'm at a place where I can't even produce jujitsu tournaments, anyways. So, so it's that's US why, and uh, everywhere else. Yeah, it's U.S., Australia, Europe, and once a year in in the middle of January, in the deepest part of the coldest winter we have, uh, I get to do a Toronto event, which usually sells out now. Yeah. Um, last Toronto events sold out days before registration, so that's a great sign. Um, so that's why we don't have any employees to answer your original question in Canada. Uh, most of the employees are either in the States, in Europe and a few in Australia. Is there any sense to which country might open up first? Uh, I know that's a hard question to answer, but I, I would say, I would say certain States in the U S are going to open up Clearly, the U S as a, as a country, they're very economy based. Mm. Um, you know, you, you clearly uh, uh, your president, Donald Trump, has been on has been doing a lot of press conferences at like 5, 6 p.m. every night. And he's been talking about wanting to open up, but slowly. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the U.S. will be the first one to open up. Okay. Um, like there was, a, I think yesterday, Georgia already opened yeah. up and South Carolina opened up and some other stuff will open up in a week and some yeah. other stuff in two weeks. But for me, that doesn't necessarily matter that a state opens up. Like I need the jujitsu gyms to start yeah. opening up as well and training because if if we open up and people haven't gotten a chance to train or actually go to the gym or the gym's not open, I feel like we're kind of disrespecting the scene a little bit. Yeah. And we're all kind of disrespecting those coaches, those students. We're trying to ask for money to participate. It'll be very that. thin too. I mean, the, the, exactly. you know, the, it's going to be a, a lot of two-man brackets. Yeah, that, that's the last thing anyone really, really want is uh, two-person brackets, uh, people that don't have any matches, stuff like that. That's not really what we like to do. Like we We... We yeah. pride ourselves on this round robin format of people mm-hmm. getting multiple fights. Uh, so I, I think once each state opens up, each each jujitsu gym in that state opens up, then we can come in like three weeks later. Okay. Um, I think there needs to be a little bit of time. So I think clearly as in the event industry, we're going to be the last ones open. So up. let's go back and talk a little bit about how grappling industry started. You competed yourself. You were a uh, relatively big name in, in the yeah. competition world. <laughs> Yeah, I was a big name at the time when I was younger, around 18, 19 in uh, Montreal, Quebec. Uh, I was doing a lot of amateur MMA as well. Mm-hmm. I, I was traveling the world to compete as well. I went to Worlds. I went to Euros and uh, Lisbon. Um, so I was always really fond of competi- uh, competing. I really wanted to be a competitor myself, uh, a pro MMA fighter one day. Um, but, uh, you know, it's tough to say, like, what exactly led me away from it. Mm-hmm. Um at the time when I wanted to become a pro MMA fighter, there wasn't a lot of pro MMA shows around here, especially like I was trying to become a 135 fighter. Mm-hmm. So bantamweight, um, it's very hard to find bantamweight fights. It's really hard to get on a show if there's only one show every three, four months. I thought of even starting an MMA show, but it seemed confusing, especially in Quebec mm-hmm. um, with the criminal codes that we have for prize fighting. So one day uh, I was talking about how I wanted to compete at the, the Euros in, in Lisbon, Portugal, um, but I didn't have a lot of money at the time. I was pretty young. I didn't have a job. I was trying to train jiu-jitsu full-time. I thought of throwing a jiu-jitsu tournament, fundraising for myself to go there and fundraising a little bit on the side for charity, uh, the Montreal Children's Hospital. Um, so that was my first uh, opportunity of trying to throw some type of a Brazilian jiu-jitsu grappling tournament. Yeah. Um, 
and then like after that experience, I would go home. I, I did everything. We, we, I went to the Euros. I, I came home. And then when thinking about what I had produced, I thought, hey, you know, it could have been so much better. It could have been this. It could have been that. You know, only 39 people actually competed in that little in-house uh, fundraiser for me and the charity. So from there, I started building up on the idea. Okay. And what makes grappling industries a little different, right? It's, it's your rule set, correct? It's two things. I'm sure there's it a lot be, of things. I'm sorry. I'm sure there's a lot of things, but yeah. I know that your rule set is, is it plays a major part in, in why you guys are a little different. Yeah. So the rule the rule set is really there. Like we allow a lot more submissions than a lot of other brands do. Like the IBJJF mm-hmm. uh, in our no gi divisions, you're allowed to heel hook. Uh, you're allowed to reap in the gi and in no gi, regardless. Starting mm-hmm. at like blue belt. So a blue belt or an IBJJF, you would be disqualified for reaping. Uh, at grappling industries, it's fine to reap. It's fine okay. to knee bar at blue belt. It's fine to heel hook in advanced no gi as well. Um, I would say the biggest drawing factor to grappling industries would be that round robin concept of ours, um, where a lot of tournaments you're paying to go, and if you lose your first match, you're done, right? You you have to just go home afterwards, regardless of how much you paid. I beat you, Jeff. You can pay $100, lose your first match. That's it for today. You're out of the bracket. Where grappling industries, for every five people, you're going to get at least minimum of four matches. Okay. So the goal of grappling industries is to create a pooled for uh, pooled uh, round robin format where each competitor we can hopefully get them at least four matches plus extra matches if there's a playoff afterwards. So if there's ten guys in the bracket, you're going to have at least four matches plus you need to win at least two playoff matches to win the actual bracket. Okay. So where be- where before half the people in a bracket would be eliminated on the first match from losing. At Grappling Industries, those half the people get to stay in and still fight number of matches. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu from the hobbyist p- perspective, because not everyone in Jiu-Jitsu wants to be a pro. Not everyone mm-hmm. in Jiu-Jitsu wants to uh, be world champion. A lot of people just want to test themselves. A lot mm-hmm. of people just want to see what it's like or or show their professor that they're getting closer and closer to that next belt promotion, clearly. So for most people, they actually want experience. So the number of matches divided by the price is actually what they're thinking about in their head, not mm-hmm. the prestige of the tournament. Okay. Even though we're, we've added prestige to our tournament over the years, but what they're really going for is the number of matches. They want to they want to go to a tournament and get like five, ten matches. Yeah. They don't want to go to a tournament and have one or two matches. Clearly, like that kind of sounds boring, especially if you're traveling five, six hours to a tournament. And then you lose your first or second match. And then you're like, oh, that was not great experience. You know, my wife is going to be mad at me because I paid $100 to register and I had to travel there. I had to pay gas. And then I was also grouchy for a month, a month because I was cutting weight. <laughs> no, I was cutting weight. Grouchy? You know, no. you know I, I, I said I couldn't eat that for dinner. I couldn't eat that for dinner. No, we can't go to that fancy restaurant. I have to watch what I'm eating. I start carbs or whatever the deal is, you know. The main thing we're saying is that competitors want matches. That's the whole point of a tournament is to test themselves versus other people. So if the whole idea is like, oh, more matches is going to create the tournament to to last longer, okay, then we'll add more mats. So the typical grappling industry tournament also has more mats to run the more matches. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that would be our big deciding factor, I would say, that competing at grappling industry, you get more matches than almost every tournament in the world. But I would say more I would say almost every, no, no, every tournament in the world. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The round robin factor is a deciding point right there. So it's, it's kind of funny. I had a, had a lot of new tournaments reach out 
people asking to be on the podcast probably right before this started to happen, so much so that I even put out a Patreon package for Jim and event shout outs. Like, hey, listen, if you want to be part of the show, this is how, you know, we we have Patreon supporters, so we say their names on air. So I said, hey, you know, maybe we can translate that into gyms and and tournaments. And and a couple of them were brand new. And I'm saying then like a week later, COVID, quarantine, I, these guys are just... I mean, done out of the gate. I, I, you know, I can imagine somebody who's got a refund. What'd you say? A couple hundred thousand dollars that you had to refund, but somebody that's invested some time and, and money into getting, even if it's a local tournament system or statewide tournament system, I'm, they're done before they even got started. I feel a little bit bad for them, but I mean, there, there's, I, I would have loved to say, Hey David, what do you, what advice do you give to somebody starting a tournament right now? Besides don't do it. Um, but it just doesn't seem like these guys are even going to be able to get off you the know, ground. I, if they spent money on mats and laptops and screens and, and they bought the metal inventory that they were going to give out already, then yeah, they've spent uh, quite some money already. So not being able to have the opportunity to produce what you had bought into already, that really does suck. I, I do feel for them, actually. I One of the things I was saying, like I've been on a lot of podcasts since the quarantine, and one of the things I've been saying is I don't want my major competitors as far as other tournaments to just disappear right now. Mm. I've always said that if they were going to disappear, it's because I wanted to beat them down. <laughs> <laughs> I have this really, I have this really big competitiveness. I was going to say, what's um, a competitor? Really, always I, a competitor. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I don't want Naga to go away during the quarantine because they ran out of money. Mm -hmm. I want them to. I want them to last till afterwards so that I can continue the beating streak that I had going on. <laughs> I want to prove myself as a, as a great businessman and not just like lucky that we had reserves during a quarantine that other brands didn't have because their owners decided to take out ridiculous salaries during a time that they had to lock down the reserves. Um, I would say like right now for most, right now it's not really about jujitsu tournaments as much as it is more about jujitsu gyms. I think yeah. the jujitsu gyms are the ones that are getting hit the hardest. Like, I think one in four jiu-jitsu gyms will close by the end of this. Yeah. Um, I know that sounds like a massive number, but it's just I think you're being fact. generous. I mean, if you, were look, if you were looking at, like, March 7th or March 14th, uh, when people started posting, like, if we had to close for two weeks, like, it's going to be really hard for us to reopen. And then you saw those memes going around of, like, professors and gym owners and entrepreneurs asking um, that their students continue to pay for the membership, mm -hmm. even though there's no jujitsu classes, because there might not be a gym afterwards. I think based on that, that whole conversation happening, thinking that it was just going to be two weeks. And now most people are realistically understanding this could be like three months, yeah. four months, five months, depending on where you live. Um, I think that's what's really sad, actually, is that uh, you're going to see a lot of jujitsu gyms, the small ones, really disappear. And you're going to see some of the jujitsu gyms that were really secure in the first place. They're just going to get much bigger. I think yeah. it might, that's most likely. But it's also going to create opportunity, I think. Mm -hmm. Like the same as like every location where there's a restaurant, if that restaurant goes bankrupt, it's also most likely going to be replaced by a new restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, the recession creates recession. Uh, these types of things that we're in right now also create opportunities mm -hmm. for new entrepreneurs as well. And um, one thing I would have to say, like if, if you are asking me for advice for the other promoters, um, 
something you have to remind yourself on is that after these types of recessions or this pandemic that we're in right now is over, most of the time people like to splurge on entertainment afterwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, Las Vegas was really big in 2008 after 2009, once the whole recession was over, it was big in 2001 as well somehow. But, um, people love to go to sporting events and spend money on entertainment afterwards. I don't think this will be different. I think although 20% uh, of people, let's say worldwide right now are Mm -hmm. not working, not just in the States, I would say worldwide are not working. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that other eighty percent doesn't have money. It also doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't also mean that the twenty percent not didn't have something saved. So you're going to see a lot of people like splurge on entertainment afterwards. I think UFCs are going to be really big, mm-hmm. um, as they were in two thousand nine and two thousand two. Um, but you, they just have to last. They just have to know that if they were creating a product that they think that people were going to want to participate in, that people will still want to participate in it afterwards. Um, just because you don't get to do it right now doesn't mean it doesn't work. When would you start training? When would you step back into a gym? Um, I, I mean, me personally, I'll just give you my take real quick. I, I have an underlying heart condition. I had a heart attack a few years ago. Um, right now I have an MCL and an ACL tear. So I, I, I'm not going to be back for a good nine months anyway. But if I was healthy or let's just say I just had the, the heart condition – I can't see myself stepping on a map before June 1st. I have to make sure that this is completely on, you know, uh, this is, you know, that, that we're way past the peak. I think people have been saying 14 days past the peak or 14 days of, uh, of decreases in hospitalizations is what I, I believe they're saying here in the States. But I just couldn't safely or feel safe getting back on the mat in just my gym until I knew that we were that far past it. Uh, your thoughts, how quickly would you get just back into the gym? And I know there's a different, you know, uh, you have to also think about, you know, the tournament, but you personally, how, how long would you wait? How, how long would I wait? So I guess I'm a little different, right? Because I'm still very young. I don't have any pre-existing conditions, which is something that seems to really come up in the COVID cases, mm-hmm. especially the death case, the death amounts. Um, I'm someone who would jump back in maybe after a week or so. Okay. Um, then again, it's hard to say because right now we're in society, we're trying to flatten the curve, which is basically for the healthcare system, right? Um, COVID is still going to exist after we flatten the yeah. curve. Yeah. And basically the goal is, is I guess, eventually everyone's going to get it there's going to be some type of herd immunity that's going to be produced out of that but still um i would say like i would go back after a week or two um just to make sure that it's okay for the people around me because mm-hmm. uh i still go see my parents a lot my parents are both in their 70s uh, my fiance's wife uh, my fiance's mother is in their, their late 50s so um there's people around me that I see quite often that are also older. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some of the people who work at our events are also older. Um, I guess for me, it would just be like about a week or two just to make sure that everything is okay. Um, I guess I guess that would be to answer your question. Like, so, I'm, I'm not someone that has a condition or anything like that. I, yeah, I mean, like yourself with the heart yeah. condition, I would, of course, understand what yeah. you're saying, that you, you wouldn't go back after a week or two. Um, like a concern of mine as well about that type of subject would be like when the second and third wave hits, because mm-hmm. there's going to be a second and third wave. It would be okay. irrational to not, not imagine that. Um, will that close jujitsu gyms again? Um, 
like we've already seen, like we just talked about the damage that jiu-jitsu gyms might face. Will they face a lot more damage if they're forced to close down again? Because mm-hmm. um, I know where I live, we're starting to open some stuff up, but there's this mention every time they talk about it that they might start to close stuff again. So, you know, I don't know how people feel about it, like being having the lockdown lifted and then being forced to lock down again. Yeah. Um, I think that's where a lot of trouble is caused. Then again, I also read a lot of jujitsu professors' posts where they're, they're eager to open them back up. And I know some jujitsu gyms that are going to open up May 1st in the States yeah. as protest. So, you know, I don't want them to get fined, even though we can assume they're going to get fined. I mean, I don't know why they're going to. It's a weird thing to protest, to be honest, because you kind of know what the reaction is going to be from the police or the governor. Um, but yeah, I, it's it's tough, right? It, it really also when I decide to go back to the gym, the gym has to be open so that yeah. I guess it really depends on the professors, right? Mm-hmm. I know a lot of phase one say gyms will open. But we all know that gyms are not Brazilian jiu-jitsu gyms. Yeah, we're in a very intimate screw. sport. I, I call it a very intimate sport. We, <laughs> we, ha- we have to be touching. I can't wipe down a machine and then work out after somebody. This is, I'm going, you're going to be dripping sweat in my eye. You know, we're going to be the, you know, we're touching. This is skin on skin. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I saw a great interview this morning on just the local news down here in Florida. And the owner was saying, I would feel irresponsible opening up too soon. And, and I, and I believe that's actually where I, I've heard it before, but I had heard it again today about the 14 days of decline before he would open. So, you know, it's, you know, look to each his own. I don't see, I feel like Trump, you know, kind of, Hey, let's open up. And then he walked that back once somebody actually bit and said, Georgia said, Hey, we're opening up the state of Georgia. The governor said, yeah, we're going to open up. And then the mayor of Atlanta is saying, well, we shouldn't. Uh, and then Trump walked that back. So I think there's a, a lot up in the air still. Yeah, so. yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I've been watching the the press conferences every night, and it's yeah. like Atlanta said they were, Atlanta didn't want to. Georgia says they want to. Then you have Trump saying, oh, I told him I disagree with him. Andrew Kemp, I think it's Kemp, the governor of Georgia. Um, yeah, I disagree with him, but it's up to him. I trust him. I, I mean, it's very unclear what mm. you're saying to be honest yeah like you said that you're okay with some states opening up before your guideline of may 1st but then once someone does then you're saying on live tv that you're disagreeing with them so it, it's quite unclear to be honest so i have a listener question here again we do some giveaways to uh, to people who submit uh, so let's let's bring it back to to your actual event so we have j such 85 from instagram says so many questions oh, i was seeing okay so He's talking about locally K through nine schools, kindergarten through 12th grade schools plan on scanning kids as they come into school, like checkpoints, you know, checking their temperature. Do you feel like something like that is going to be the norm for competitions? Is it going to, are you going to do something like that? And are we going to have to do something like that? So that is, that is an interesting question. Um, right before the whole coronavirus thing, just as it was kicking off in China, I was actually in Africa for a month camping in tents. Um, okay. And I remember every time I would cross the border because I went to I went to five countries, 
And every time I would cross a border, they would do everything the same as what we're seeing during the coronavirus because they still have posters at all the border crossings about Ebola. Okay. Um, so they would shoot the temperature in your head. Yeah. They would, uh, they would have you sign. They would have you hand sanitize. Um, so you actually see this already implied in many different parts of the world at different things like, like a border crossing in Africa. Um, now, supposedly the reason they're going to start to do that for kids in schools is because although kids are not like not very acceptable to getting the full symptoms of the flu, mm-hmm. of the coronavirus flu, um, at the same time, they, can, they, they are carriers, they can bring it home, parents are older, they can get them sick. Do I see it at jiu-jitsu tournaments? Um, I don't know, to be honest. The thing is, like, it's very probable that some tournaments might do stuff like that. I don't think shooting people's temperatures all the best. There seems to be this concept in jiu-jitsu of, like, trust, right? Mm-hmm. That, like, if, if you have symptoms or if you're sick, don't come to training that night. Clearly, people do it. People still come to training, and that's how people get sick of jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing with a tournament, right? Uh, we saw it at the last ADCC in last September. You know, a few of those guys had eye infections, like yeah. the East, ECK or something like that, um, and they passed it on. I mean, so you can tell some guys are actually selfish, and they're going to yeah. train or compete regardless of who they're going to make sick or who they're going to pass on whatever they have onto. So that's kind of a problem in itself. I think one smart thing, and it's something that we did on the last weekend of tournaments that we got to produce was that we split the adults and the kids completely. So what I mean by that is in the morning we had all the kids and all their parents and that was it. No adults were, no adult competitors that were competing after the kids were allowed in the venue. So we ran the entire kids competition. Then we sent them home. And as we started the adults and masters weigh-ins, we cleaned out the whole venue. So we basically cleaned the mats again. Um, We basically cleaned the railing, stuff like this. So this way there would be no contamination from the morning to the afternoon where the adults and the masters were coming in. This way also parents that were with their kids wouldn't be in the same large crowd. It also Mm -hmm. cut down the size of the crowd as well. Um, these types of procedures might be pretty good to take. Um, the hand sanitizing thing, um, more now than ever, don't walk around without your shoes on at a jujitsu event. Uh, clearly something that's mm-hmm. repeated at every jujitsu event because people like to go into toilets without their shoes or socks oh. on. I mean, that's still huge thing. pet peeve of I mean, mine we're about, just happening in the gym. I hate we're that. Ta- yeah. We're, we're talking about COVID yeah. man. Yeah. And like, I mean, we've always had this problem with people barefoot in the bathrooms and like, I mean, we all know that at jiu-jitsu events, like the urinals are covered in piss <laughs> at the end. Um, there's no toilet paper. The whole thing is a yeah. scene. Like, regardless of the venue you use, like, no venue can keep up with everyone, like, like, like heading towards the one or two toilets of a venue yeah. jiu-jitsu tournaments usually use. We're not arenas or stadiums that we don't have like hundreds and hundreds of workers on hand yeah. just uh, to do uh, the courtesy work. Um, so it's it's hard to say, you know, like will we be shooting temperatures of people at jujitsu tournaments? It depends, like the thing. Like if states want us to do that or if if large gatherings or if that's the thing that's gonna happen at concerts or festivals in the future, then we're gonna we're gonna adopt it as well, most likely. Uh we're not just gonna be left behind, you know. Yeah. Um So if it's so mandated it really depends, if it's mandated, you know? you're obviously gonna do it, but 
I think there's still a little bit of of time between now and when you have your first tournament to be thinking about these things anyway. Yeah, yeah. There, there's still some time. There's still some time be also for the governors or different states or provinces to decide on what they want to go into those event gatherings. Because right now, event gatherings are still banned everywhere. You know, uh, I know where I am right now. You can't have an event more than two people. Yeah. So <laughs> in the states, it's like big event, you know, big event, three, three people, big event. Need a yeah. license. Big event. <laughs> yeah. Three hundred dollars income. Yeah. I, I was I was wondering that. how Dana White uh, was going to pull off this whole private island thing. I mean, I I, I know you had, you saw that, right? The uh, yeah. Uh, UFC 249, uh, you know, and then it was private yeah. island, then it was uh, uh, Indian reservation. You know, crazy. Yeah, it was gonna be. Uh, yeah, it was gonna be like Fresno or something like that, like Tachi Palace or something. Yeah, um, something crazy. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fight junkie. So for me personally, I think like, uh, you know, right now the UFC is trying to hold their events, right? So it's gonna be like May 9th in like uh, Jacksonville, Florida, and. Right now, we also have some Mission Underground, Child Sonin's uh, Jiu-Jitsu Pro Show that okay. he does every so often. He's doing those in hidden locations with no crowds. Oh, boy. Um, I think these types of things right now, the whole aspect of not having a crowd at your sporting event is not a good move, I think. It, it, it's a bad look. Um, you know, there's something about having a UFC with a crowd, right? It's, yeah. It, it's kind of special. Um, I think, like... I think like these leagues right now are trying to create content for television, not realizing that first they're a spectator sport. Yeah. Um, so it's tricky to say like, I, if the fighters are okay with it and they need to make money, then yes, of course that's fine, you know? But then again, it's just not what the product is. So why are you changing the product so much to save like one or two months? You know, yeah. like it's, in a way, I feel like it's almost kind of selfish because it's like saying like, okay, while everyone else is waiting and while we're all like taking these certain measures to protect ourselves, we're going to get back to work. Even though we're not deemed essential, like they're yeah. not essential at all. UFC is not essential right now. Like that's just a fact of it. Um, them saying that we're going to have the event because we are essential. It just seems like it seems wrong in a way yeah. is what I'm saying. You I mean, know, Dana White has all the money in the world. Why yeah, that, well, that's where right I was going to go. I mean, it's you know? it's not yeah, it's not like he's going bankrupt or the UFC is going to go bankrupt. I mean, you know, they they purchased for what four almost four billion dollars a couple of years ago. I mean, actually, it's not like they don't actually, have cash on hand. Actually, that's interesting because the UFC was bought by WME, who is who's owned by Endeavor, who's on the stock market, and Endeavor is having a hard time right now. Actually, yeah. uh, lots of debt lot of trouble paying back their debt their stock is getting hit hard especially since right now everyone uh went bear market on the uh travel industry or the entertainment industry mm -hmm. uh so endeavor is actually getting hit really really hard really? um i know dana white said that he wasn't laying off anyone from the ufc but uh Ari manuel right now is probably shitting himself man you know, because he he pulled a lot of people together to buy the UFC. Like the UFC was not something like Endeavor was really looking forward to doing originally. Like Ari Manuel was really pushy on that subject, and they made it happen. But they they put themselves in a really high debt situation right now. I think like they're still like three to five billion in debt. Yeah, similar to like stuff like 
AMC theaters who are 5.5 billion in debt right now. And like, they're trying to make it through the lockdowns. So I hear the trader in you. you. I hear, uh, I think I I heard you on a podcast talking about you do a little day trading. Uh, not day trading long term. Oh, you're long term. Okay. (laughs) All right. So I hear you, I hear you citing these numbers. I know you're following these companies, not just from the surface, but, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah, at first I was just interested in like um, the thing is like having money in your bank account that you're not doing anything with is kind of stupid. Well, right? <laughs> like uh, at one point I was racking up money. Like I, I worked my whole life, but I haven't bought a house or I don't like luxurious items. I live quite fugo. I've always invested more and more in my company to build my company bigger, increase the sales. Yeah. But increasing the sales cre- increases profits eventually as well, right? Yeah. Um. So once the company was taken care of, I was also very taken care of. Um. So like you, leaving your money in your savings account doesn't really make that much money, you know, and then leaving it in your checkings account is just a waste when you're comparing that inflation is going to make your money worth less if you just leave it there. Yeah. So, so, uh, so I got a really good friend of mine and, uh, we invested it all. Well, I 90% of it. Okay. Um, even like I, even the grappling industries reserves, to be honest, are invested. Um, yeah like leaving that type of money in your bank account doesn't make any sense. Like any amount over the amount you actually need should be invested. So yeah, I, I really, I really, uh, I pay a lot of attention to the stock market okay. and how companies are doing. <laughs> Very cool. I have a lot of fun with it. So, you know, you, you mentioned something before about some events. I, I know like, you know, obviously it's not the same type of uh, combat sport, but the WWE was trying to run, and I think they, they are, right? They're running their events with with no audience. Um, interesting, I actually saw just a complete side note. I saw a post from Nicky Rod this morning where he's out at NXT. Uh, is it NXT? NXT training, right? It's like their, uh, their minor leagues. Uh, so, you know, they've, they've tried this. I don't watch, so I'm not sure how successful it was. But, you know, Joe Rogan says it's like a comedian with no audience. It just falls flat. Uh, so, you know, I agree with you there. Is that even a thought for you? I mean, most of your, I think you said before, your revenue is primarily coming from the competitors, right? I'm not sure. Do you guys charge for for spectators? Uh, we charge for spectators as well. Okay. Usually the number of competitors is the same for the number of spectators. So let's say uh, we have a tournament that has like 500 competitors. The spectator count should be probably around 500 as well. So would, would you consider doing that? I mean, again, it's different. It's not necessarily, you know, televised in the same way. Would you consider cutting down or not having spectators in order to, uh, to, to make I don't, the show I, I really more think, safer? I don't think it really helps mm-hmm. in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. You know, removing the spectators doesn't remove the fact that we would have all these different individuals that we have not tested physically or mm-hmm. um, we haven't had their COVID tests from that morning like the UFC is planning to do, actually. Like, I have to praise the UFC on that, at least, that the fighters at night are going to have been tested the night before. Okay. Um, I can't test COVID 500 yeah. like competitors <laughs> who are about to roll around and sweat. Like you said, you're going to sweat in my eyes, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's very probable that's going to happen. Um, so removing the spectators doesn't get rid of the actual problem that exists at the jujitsu tournament. The The problem with the jujitsu tournament is the actual competitors themselves. It would be the same as like 
uh, university wrestling tournament or uh, wrestling meets uh they just can't do those right now you can get rid of like the five thousand mm-hmm. competitors uh, five thousand spectators in the crowd at these big ncaa wrestling tournaments it doesn't get rid of the fact that some wrestlers are most likely going to catch it yeah. um so that's the problem we run into like i know what you're talking about about the wwe um i'm a huge pro wrestling oh yeah there you well. go did you know about nicky yeah. rod had you heard yeah. about that yet yeah, I know Nicky Rod was always trying to get into it, and I know okay. his coach um, Jay Regobludo, like uh, he's really into wrestling as well because his little son uh, wants to be a wrestler as well. Okay. When I was like uh, when I was like seven eight years old, I wanted to be a wrestler. Yeah. Like those were the first pay per views <laughs> I ever bought were actually wrestling pay per views. I had right. to get my dad to buy me wrestling pay per views. <laughs> I was like a huge like Bret uh, Bret Hart fan and Undertaker, and just at the time. Um, I've also always said that like WWE as itself has the best production value of live sporting or entertainment type of events better than any concert. Like WWE is as far as production better than UFC, better than Taylor Swift, better than Justin Timberlake or (laughs) any big kind of show that you can put on. Like, like WrestleMania is the place to be. And then like what we're talking about is right now, wrestling doesn't have any crowds. Um, WrestleMania that I think was like, what, two, three weeks ago, uh, they did two nights that was filmed a week prior in an empty arena or empty room. So WrestleMania this year was like, it's just empty. And from a wrestling wrestler perspective in that, you know, you spend your whole life trying to get to WWE then be in wrestlemania and then you make it to wrestlemania and then there's nobody there to watch you, <laughs> oh, wow. you know? yeah uh, man like that's actually a bummer man to be honest um but again like it also like joe rogan said like as you quoted him it, it falls flat on its face in a way you know uh you um an example is like my fiance loves to watch uh, john oliver it's a, it's a late show yeah for example. I, I, but right I now he, here Okay, so right now he's doing his he's doing his episodes with like kind of like an empty screen, no audience or anything yeah. like that. So he, when he pops the joke, there's no laughing. Yeah, and it makes the whole experience kind of weird because now that there's nobody else laughing, you're not forced to kind of go along with the laugh. So yeah. you listen to the joke, and sometimes you're like, "Hmm, I don't find that funny." <laughs> <laughs> I watched the first yeah. episode that he did, that the way he did yeah. it, and, and he actually he talks about. They actually had several, I think, not employees of the company or the production company, but in his in the building. So they had to actually move remotely, right? And and they had to record someplace else. But yeah, when I watched, it was kind of like, and I and I'm a bit, huge John Oliver fan. I love love the show, loved him on the Daily Show, but I only watched yeah. that one episode. It just it just felt weird, almost felt dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that, that's exactly the point. Is like John Oliver has tried it, and it's actually not the same at all once yeah. you're watching that. Um, so that's a really good example of like the comedian falling flat on a face, or just how the the audience does add to certain things yeah. at quite a huge level. Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump forward to a, a speed round of questions. I, I shouldn't even call it a speed round anymore because I love to elaborate on these. But these are four questions that we ask every guest that comes on the show and uh, just want to get your take. So if you could go back in time, what would you tell the white belt you? We're talking about you go back and you get to talk to yourself the moment before you stepped on the mat to train for the very first time. What would you tell yourself? What advice would you give yourself? Don't take it so seriously. Uh, I get that. We get Don't that a lot. Don't take it so seriously. Yeah. 
Why? What, yeah. what, what did you experience? I mean, what was your experience with that? Again, I'm so competitive, man. Yeah. So, like, I'm one of those guys that, like, the moment he gets into the gym and he starts to do a little bit well against the pros, then he starts thinking again, maybe I want to be a pro fighter again, you know? And, like, it's not the way that people are supposed to think. Unless you want to completely devote your life to pro fighting or being a pro grappler, you you know, don't take it so seriously. Fine, go there, just train, you know, enjoy the fact that this is a hobby as well. You know, it doesn't have to be like the most consuming thing of your life. It's okay to be tapped. It's okay to be beaten yeah. up, you know. And if you beat some pro people, that's cool. At least you got to train with them, you know. It doesn't mean that you can just jump in and being a pro, Yeah. you know. It's one thing to be pros in the gym, but it's another thing to be another pro on a night in front of a crowd when you have to perform, you know. That's, that's something completely different from my experience. Yeah, I tell people like the human mind, we, we obsess over things that are never going to happen. Our mind will yeah. go so far and project yeah. these fears and and make you have, um, you know, these anxieties that are just never going to happen. These things are these things that your brain thinks of uh, probably never going to happen for you uh, in, in the way of like, uh, you know, oh, oh, my God, I'm going to lose. And and what are, what are my teammates going to say about me? And, you know, what are, what's my coach going to think? And am I going to get that promotion? It just it, it doesn't matter. It's that yeah, promotion's exactly. going to happen one day. They're going to yeah. lose one day too. They're you know they they have those same feelings and emotions. So you worry about nothing. That's exactly it. You know we spend so much time stressed over. Oh, I want the next belt. I want the next belt. I want to be better. Um, I would also tell myself, don't skip so much class. You know, like yeah. I mean, I was skipping university at one point to just go to jujitsu. It's not really the best strategy, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I'm paying a lot to go to university, and yet I'm skipping it so I can learn more about doing the same arm bars I did yesterday. So, yeah. um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe like prior tours, prior tours, I wanted to do a little bit better. Gotcha. All right. So other than achieving the rank of, of black belt, which you have already, what is your ultimate goal in jujitsu? What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to leave behind? Man. So, Going deep. My, uh, I'm going deep my, here, David. <laughs> my my VP, my VP in the states actually was on a podcast, and he was talking about how we're a strong second behind the IBJJF, and he's okay with being a strong second. And I remember ever since that podcast, I've called him out on that shit. So fucking <laughs> much. I mean, I, I'm not okay with being a strong second. Like to me, it's like like regardless of what you're doing in the world, like you need to like try to find yourself to the top of that. Like I want to be the best jujitsu tournament promoter in the world. I want to have one of the biggest jujitsu tournaments in the world. I want to replace the IBJJF. Mm -hmm. This is quite clear. If you've ever heard me talk about anything jujitsu related, <laughs> I want to replace the IBJJF. That's it. That's all. I mean, everything that comes with it, cool. You know, like, um, like at this point, like our company makes a lot of money, but at the same time. I don't care. I don't care yeah. about how much money I make. I don't care what my payroll is or what my salary is. I want to be better than I job. That's actually more important to me than how much money I make. So who are the, it's as far as internationally, it's IBJJ, IBJJF, you, is anybody running, you know, truly running tournaments internationally? Can anyone yeah, boast there's, that there's, that that description? Yeah, Naga is trying, right? Naga is in the U.S. Um, they tried to do once a year in Brazil. I think they stopped that, and now they do like three or four shows a year in Europe. 
Um, so they have about like 80 events a year right now, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And then there's some other brands like uh, American Grappling Federation. They do a few shows in Europe now a year. Mm-hmm. But as far as like truly international, trying to just continuously reach new and new uh uh, countries or regions that you haven't produced in and having a, having a go for those places, I would say it's us and IBJJF and maybe the UAE, Jiu-Jitsu Federation. Mm-hmm. They're quite big as well with their big tournament every year. Um, but they have like qualifiers everywhere. Um, a lot of different countries. Are, I, I think they added North Africa recently with Morocco, um, which I don't, I don't see what the point of that one is. So but, um, Canada, yeah. U.S., Australia, U.K.? Where else, right, those four you've done events? Uh, let me look up on my map. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So we, we've done Portugal, we've done Spain, we've done France, we've done the Netherlands, we've done Belgium, we've done Germany, we've done Italy. Uh, we were working on our first Switzerland event in Geneva, sponsored by the country of Switzerland. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we had like, we had free venue, free medics, free sponsors. Wow. We had everything you needed to great, throw a great Geneva event. I got shut down with the quarantine. They said we could have the event if everyone at the event was sitting down with one seat between them. I mean, that's not what you just determined. <laughs> have you so, been to a tournament yet? So we can't yet? do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Um, and right now we're working on adding everything else. So um, we're working. Like we we did. We also did Denmark. We did uh, Austria. We were we were quite big in Austria. Actually, quite amazing uh, in Vienna. Um, we were getting ready to throw a massive event, hopefully at the end of the year, if we're allowed to, if okay. not next year here in Warsaw, Poland, I think that would be a big one. Um, we've received requests to bring our show to Tel Aviv and in Israel and as well, as well as like Moscow, St. Petersburg and Russia. Um, we have an offer from the Arnold, uh, festival to have an event in South Africa and Johannesburg, as well as Rio in uh, Brazil. Um, so Pretty much everywhere, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the first world has grappling industries. Now we're working on getting into the second world. Um, and wherever else has jujitsu, we want to be there as well. So, but, and, uh, and people can still it, go on to your website and sign up now, right? They can sign up for the events that are still listed on the website. Is that right? Can you? Yeah, they can. Um, I think by by the end of the first week in May, I think that's when we're going to have a deciding factor about the June events, to okay. be honest. Like the June events are still on the website, but like we mentioned mm-hmm. way earlier in the conversation, but we're not sure about them yet. Like clearly it looks like Michigan is probably going to come down. Wisconsin is, it has locked down a little longer. So we're not sure. Cause we have a Milwaukee event in June as well right now. So it's really hard to determine what's going to happen with these. Um, but yeah, the Ju- I would say I tell the crowd right now that you can register for July afterwards. Um, but right now we don't have any European or Australian or Canadian events on our website just cause those countries are just completely, uh, no one knows what's really happening right now. We had like six European events to drop. Like we had a, we had a Brussels event, uh, Vienna, Geneva, uh, Manchester that we were expanding back to in Dublin. Like those five, I know we were about to drop like the week before this all happens. So, uh, yeah, those clearly wow. never made their way off okay. the website. Yeah. So next question is, and and I guess we have to say, besides the quarantine, what's the craziest jujitsu-related thing that's happened to you on or off the mat? And well, let's say personally or business-wise. So I got one probably for both, to be honest. Okay. Um, yep. 
off the mat, as far as like as far as the business of jujitsu for that category, I would say that when we had uh, when we had just started really expanding in the United States with the goal of nationalizing the United States, right? We we bought a second truck of a second production to expand itself to the West Coast. Um, I had never lost money on a jiu-jitsu tournament in like 100 tournaments that I had produced. And now not only expanding to the West Coast did I lose money on a jiu-jitsu tournament, but I would lose money on 10 of 11 jiu-jitsu tournaments in a row on top of this expansion of buying an, a second truck, buying a second trailer, buying a second production in its fullness, hiring another worker, of course. And then as the 10 of the 11 shows lost money, um, someone stole the the trailer in the truck. <laughs> the whole, you know, and insurance didn't work. Really? Yeah, the whole, the, the whole, the whole trail, thing the whole trailer. Yeah, so your you mats, go back to computers, TVs, or whatever you have out there, everything. 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 Someone, so, yeah, so that, that happened in Overland Park, Kansas. Um, Thanks, Overland Park. <laughs> Overland Park, baby. Yeah. Uh, October 2017, I would say that was. Um, so basically, that was like, you know, you lose like 100 grand on this expansion, and then you lose like, an, like 70 grand on what you've bought just a month ago to do this loss, and now you lose that as well. So it, that was really, really challenging. That was like the one time I was really looking into the abyss. <laughs> Well, I, guess, um, I mean, you can't say, well, I don't know what kind of match you had, but if they said grappling industries on them, I'm sure somebody wasn't able to get rid of those. Man, <laughs> man they're, they're, they're orange borders with white middles that yeah. say grappling industries on them. So you have white and, you have white and orange rollout. Man. How many like years ago like was that? Years. When was that? Uh, like three years ago, October 2017. So someone has $30,000 of mats oh, in their boy. position. But I think it's like in a ditch or in the woods and it's been rained on and snowed on and they're yeah. destroyed now. Oh boy. Never, never, well, obviously never heard from the police department on, on finding any of your stuff. Well, no, uh, they actually called us like a couple of days later and said that they had found um, some items like the PA system was found oh. and the speakers because what happened is the guy not only stole our stuff, but then he swapped trucks um, and stole someone's F-250 and then grabbed our trailer and then crashed on the highway into a pole or oh, some shit. shit like that. He was drunk supposedly. Um, so in that in that uh, stolen F two fifty, they found some of our stuff that was branded with Grappling Industries. The police went online, looked up Grappling Industries, sent us an email, and uh, said, "Hey, we found your stuff." That's you, you, cool. So you guys were able to get that stuff back? Uh, they, no, just no. just the PA system. Oh, just, okay. Yeah, the PA yeah. system. I think like four laptops. Uh, a rug, like a grappling yeah. industries, like rug <laughs> that we had in front of our podium. Um, but yeah, like uh, massive losses that day. So wow. that was really tough to come back from. But uh, we not only managed to use that as a as an inspiration, Motivation. but we grinded our way back for sure. Yeah, so that's why when people think that uh, the quarantine is going to take me down, fuck no. I was going to say, I mean, talk <laughs> no, about no, hitting no, no. a brick wall. I mean, that's like to, to come no. back from that Wait, is I got, really hard. I got to see the quarantine coming, right? Like they told us on the news it was coming. I don't get to wake up the next morning and just hear about it happening, you know, which is what happened with the trailer. So that's the craziest business thing. What about the personal side? 
personal, I don't really have that many crazy stories. I, I would imagine like the the day I was getting my purple belt, like uh, my former instructor was getting his uh, black belt that day. And when he was running the gauntlet with everyone whipping him with his belts, he fell. And like some people stood over him and whipped him with the belts. And he thought that I was one of the people that whipped him with the belts. So when we sparred the next day, he went like incredibly hard. <laughs> I was like 17 years old, like just the minimum to get the purple belt at the time. Um, and like he went extremely hard. So he went like on my left side of my rib cage, I have like torn cartilage that's still torn and a rib that you can feel through my stomach. Um, and also <laughs> that, that same, that same row caused both my ears to cauliflower. So really? I have, I have two cauliflower ears. Oh, wow. <laughs> both caused by from that, that from that role. How did yeah, you how did you find out he did that on purpose? How did you find out he rolled hard because of that? Did he just tell you oh, right he, after? No he, 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 no, he was like wall rolling, like no, he was like rolling with his like elbows in my head and stuff like that. <laughs> like uh, much stronger. Like you could tell by his face. You could tell by the people sitting on the sidelines looking like that. This was like like a rape or a murder going <laughs> on or something like that. Like, you know. <laughs> Like I like I'm I'm pretty young. So like after that, like after the roll was done, like I rolled the whole round with him, right? Because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop rolling with him, right? And he's not trying yeah. to tap me, right? He would go north south and like grind his elbow oh, into boy. my ribs and stuff like that. After the round, I went to the like locker rooms and like kind of teared up and shit. You know? oh, like kind of I was kind of emotional at that age. Yeah. Um, Seventeen, then, like, man, forget it. Head coach of the team like BPT black belt alumni like sold me for like two three minutes and then like the next day like the coach had gotten him to come over and apologize to me but it is what it is but he, he caused me some rib damage and two cauliflower oh, wow. ears so <laughs> ever since then ever since high school I've had collies all right that's a good story I like that one that's one of my favorites so far to date okay so big question Oh, you fucked me up good, man. This is probably my favorite question out of anything that I ask any guest. All right. And this is a, do you do this and why? Or do you not do this and why? Do you or do you not wash your gi belt? Do you yes, or do you not wash your belt? Do you wash it no, after every time you train? Uh, I would say, like, I wasn't washing it when I was, like, 14 or 15. Yeah. Uh, becoming a fucking adult. Yeah, I wash it now. <laughs> I, now, I usually have three other people in the room with me. Anytime I ask that question of any guest, including those those other hosts, nobody washed their freaking belts. My last four <laughs> guests have all washed it. They always throw it in my face. My last four guests have all said they washed their belts, and I have nobody here to look at and go, nah, 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 woo, woo, you know. Uh, but, nah. but what's, the, what's the explanation? What's um, the explanation behind not washing your belt? Uh, you're not. Uh, I've, I've gotten. You're just not supposed to. Uh, it's got your mojo. You're not. It shows to. how much you worked. Um, but I mean, I just think it's you know it's this dirty. Is, those you are sweat some of on it. Those are some of the stupidest responses to uh, well, you could ask. I, I, mojo, the, really? Yeah, the oh, old mojo. school, no right? Mojo. The old timers, the old school guys say, you know, well, uh, well, you know, I had, I probably had. Uh, Jacob the Bull. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Jacob the Bull Brown. He's probably he's 16. He gave us one of the best answers, which was like it shows how it shows my training. I don't agree that he doesn't wash it, but he says it the 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 way the wearing of the belt, the way that it frays, it shows how much I worked. Now again, at 16, I, I get that I so, understand that. 
I still think it's disgusting. I still think that you need to wash it, especially now. I hope some people start to change their mind a bit, you know, especially with COVID. But um, the old school guys used to say, you know, so, oh, you know, uh, what, hold your actual well, mojo. Like it's training. your skill. It's, it's in the belt. You never have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard anybody use that ridiculous First excuse? I, I, I've heard all that. I've heard all that stuff. Okay. That stuff is just as stupid as someone telling you to inject uh, disinfectant. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you think, when you think about, when I was younger, um, I, I, of course, with wanting to be an MMA fighter, I had, uh, I had boxing gloves. Um, and one thing I know about boxing gloves is sometimes some fighters actually clean their gloves, right? Mm-hmm. They want to clean the leather. They want to make sure that everything is nice. One thing I know about the gloves is you know where the tag is on the wrist? Mm-hmm. Like it says like Twins mm-hmm. or Fairfax. That's the part of the glove when you wipe your face mm-hmm. that that's where the blood is going to get onto it. So that thing is hard to wash because it's going to be so like filled with blood eventually. That I can understand you having a hard time washing because it's hard to wash it. Not washing your belt because you want to show your training. And first of all, the answer coming from a 16-year-old is exactly what you would expect a 16-year-old to say. Sorry, Jacob. Uh, that it's going, to show you, <laughs> yeah, it's going to show your training. I mean, what are you talking about? Your skill shows your training. If you want to put it in the washer and it like, kills the color of your belt a little bit, that shows that you've been training longer because you've been okay, cleaning yeah. your belt more and more often. The, but the belt is so fucking dirty if you're thinking about it, right? Like. If you don't wash it, that's like saying, oh, you don't wash your gi pants as well. What are you talking about, mm-hmm. man? You know, like. Uh, I agree. Just, you know. I agree. Like I've had this battle who, since we started. <laughs> yeah, I, it's not even a battle, to be honest, yeah. especially right now with the whole COVID discussion. I mean, we've learned our lesson, haven't we? Maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. David, I want to give you an opportunity to give any shout outs to anybody, anybody you work with, sponsors, your employees, anyone this time is yours to uh, to say hello or again, give any shout outs you'd like, go ahead. Floor is yours. Um, well, first of course, I want to thank all my uh, employees at grappling industries. I, I think I have one of the best teams in the world of jujitsu. We're one of the biggest companies in jujitsu. I, I, I give a lot of that preaching over to the, the employees at grappling industries. They're amazing. All 14 other ones of them. Uh, my sponsors um, and the people that I support and work with, uh, Pro Force, AWMA, uh, BJJTs, We Defy Foundation, Ground Shark Coffee, um, Browse in Australia. Just unbelievable Like getting to work with these guys. Um, and if there's a shout out or anything I get to add at the end, something I would like to add, and something mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot lately is because I have a lot of experience with this firsthand from having it like directly in front of my face to be honest is uh this is a good time during the lockdown during the quarantine to check up on the people that you love check out on your friends um suicides are going to be expected to go up we've already seen a suicide rise in tennessee the state of tennessee but it's gonna it's gonna most likely rise throughout the the population Mm -hmm. um having dealt with suicide straight up that's happened here like i i can tell you it's it's not something that you want to happen you, you'd rather just do the work to make sure it doesn't happen than mm-hmm. have to deal with losing someone to it. Um, so just check up on each other and be nice to each other. You know, there's a lot of great helplines. If you just Google, you know, suicide helpline, yeah. there, there's people who are available 24-7 to talk to you and help you. Um, so I, I really just want to push that image of suicide awareness. You know, yeah. if, there's, if there's one thing I ever pushed, it's going to be suicide awareness. You know, we've all battled it. We all know someone who's battling it. And a lot of us know people who've lost it and have had to be present for it. So yeah. um, I just want to make people aware that like, I know it doesn't make sense what I'm going to say, but calm down 
and just Google the help that you need because there's a lot of people there who want to help you and it's not for their benefit. It's, yeah. it's for your benefit. This too will end. We'll get through this. We're going to get through this. And I, I think, uh, you know, I, I hats off to people just taking this a lot better than, than I would have ever expected. If somebody would have said, okay, we're going to lock everybody in the house for two months for 60 full days and let's see what happens. I, 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 I thought people were going to be going crazy. I thought a little more people, more people were going to be, you know, we're seeing some people do, uh, you know, protests at, at state capitals and things like that. And I thought we were going to see a lot more of that. I thought people were going to really lose their minds. I think there's still possibility of protests and riots later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like like we're starting to see them more and more frequently now, this whole reopening concept. But uh, those so those silent ones, uh, the suicides yeah. like I'm, I'm speaking about right now, like yeah. you're not going to hear about those on the news. You yeah, know? we, like we give a shout out to uh, We Defy now. We're, we, I, I'm a We Defy ambassador. One of my co-hosts, uh, Junior Vega, is a We Defy ambassador. Uh, and we're also there. They're sending us a, a, vine, a, a flag we'll have in the backdrop now uh, going forward. But uh, Mission 22 as well. We give them a shout out at the end of every episode uh, who uh, who are also uh, committed to helping uh, with veteran suicides. Yeah, it's just it's just unnecessary that it has to happen that way. And like, like, again, based on firsthand experience, it's just not something like, trust me, you want to deal with, you know, just be nice to each other and like take care of each other. We appreciate you bringing that up. We appreciate you bringing that up. Thank you so much for for being with us, David. I'm going to let you go, but I want everybody else to stick around. We've got a couple of really cool things. I mentioned before, we've got something for business and academy owners, a little freebie. I think this is actually not even little. It's a big deal. But uh, David, again, thank you so much for being on the show. If there's anything we could do to help you guys out, let me know when you got that first event launching. Please come back on. We'd love to have, you know, kind of let's talk about this post-quarantine and see where we're at. I'd love to. Thank you very much right, for having me on. Take care, David. Be good. Stay safe out there. Bye-bye. Thank you. Awesome, guys. All right, guys. Thank you very much for sticking around. Uh, we're going to uh, – well, we can leave this on. I'll, I'll shut that off for now. So we're going to bring on a uh, – he's an actual uh, – he's a coworker of mine. Uh, his name is Jonathan Kramer. We're going to get him on the horn here, and then we're going to be right back at you, uh, right back with you uh, in just a minute or two. Actually, I'm going to snap my fingers, and when we come back, you're going to see Jonathan on that screen. We're back. That's Jonathan Kramer on the screen. Uh, I work with this young man at a company called OMG National. Um, I've got to be honest, John, I never thought I was going to really merge my two worlds like this. You know, uh, when the quarantine happened, I started to put out marketing videos because I wanted to help. I had a, a company on called Grappling, um, uh, the Grappler's Guide, excuse me, uh, who is raising money for gyms. And I'm working with a guy over at Flow and Roll on uh, getting out some uh, some T-shirts. He's sending out T-shirts and donating some of the proceeds. So the world of jujitsu as a whole is taking a huge hit, but we have a lot of listeners that are not only gym and academy owners, but small business owners as well. Um, Mm -hmm. The average jujitsu guy is is a normal guy with a business or a regular job. So when you mentioned to me the program that OMG national launched, which is the, am I uh, the OMG national? It's it's the toolkit, right? What's the exact Mm -hmm. name? Cause this is brand new. Everybody we're launching this uh, in part for, for companies like you, for people like you that are that own businesses. So go ahead and give them the name, Jonathan. 
Yeah, it's the uh, OMG Small Business Toolkit. You okay. know, so it's for small, medium-sized businesses. It uh, it allows businesses to control things like their Google My Business, their Facebook page, update that information, keep it all consistent. And there's also the ability to monitor reviews around the internet, answer reviews, send review solicitations, and then there's the whole social media posting function where you know companies can post consistently to the platforms that they always you know normally post to, and then you can see comments and follow up. It brings everything together in one place, and you know okay. you said it best. Like right now. At a time where people are kind of, you know, no one really knows what the future is going to hold. We wanted to put something out there. You know, we wanted something where, look, what can we give to the community? What can we give to small, medium-sized businesses around this country and, and around the world, for that matter, to allow them to, uh, you know, really get the base of their of their digital marketing, of their digital presence as solid as possible. So when this is over, you come out of it and then you're ready to go full speed. I've been putting out a series of one-minute marketing tips, um, and I've pretty much focused initially on reviews. You know, looking at things. What could a business owner? What could somebody be doing right now to affect their business? Really, a review can affect you tomorrow, right? You can you can move your four point two to a five point zero with four or five reviews, depending on how many total reviews you have. With that being said, I've been putting out these videos telling people, okay, start out with reviews. And then I started talking about claiming your GMB and updating your information, adding pictures and things like that. These are some of the things that people would be able to do within this this toolkit, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, Milton, you 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 hit it, you know, nail right on the head. The reviews are incredibly important right now. And, and at a time where we're not having a lot of maybe transactions, right? Like you're not having a lot of business transactions, reaching out to your community, you know, the people that have been coming into your gyms or coming into your business, they, you know they like you, you know they love you, you know they support you. Reach out to those people. We can you can send out review solicitations via you know text message or email from this platform, mm -hmm. and then you can answer them as well. And when you're answering them, answering them and like thanking them like for supporting you at a time like this, you know that conversation is really uh, it's really important not just for the community which you're engaging, but for you know the algorithm that GMB Facebook that we all know that you know we need to keep feeding you know with social okay. signals and just and just movement all, all the time. So it works on both levels there with the, you know, the technical side and as well as just the community outreach and engagement side. And you've heard me, you know, we've shared an office, we've been in separate <clears throat> offices, but you can hear my big mouth when I'm talking to my clients. Um, the one thing right. that I've really pushed is not just the reviews, but it's okay to ask a friend or a family member to leave your review. You're not breaking any rules. You're not breaking any laws by having your mom go on and say, Little John is so great at what he does, right? There, there's nothing wrong with having somebody say something nice and essentially give you a testimonial within any review platform. We promote and we say Google and Facebook. That's where mm -hmm. you want to be. That's where people are mm -hmm. shopping. And that's the way, that's where people are right now, especially with Facebook. But there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with asking people to say just something nice about you. Yeah, Milton, look, there's nothing wrong with it. And, and it should be encouraged because a lot of different actors will have some sort of engagement or relationship with your business that's not necessarily a B2C business to uh, to, to customer, right? Mm -hmm. There's B2B, maybe it's a supplier, you know, you, you know, gyms have different suppliers for, you know, mats and keys and different things that mm -hmm. they use, right? Those people can be leaving a review. I've done business with this company for years. They're amazing. I love them. I support them. You know, you should support them too. And then, yeah, of course, friends, family, 
your relationship with the business is not always defined via the financial transaction. Google and Facebook have made it, you know, pretty clear that it's not just about that. You know, it's about and right now when a lot of different companies are doing things for, you know, charity and outreach, mm-hmm. that's not a financial transaction. You could still leave a review for that. So yeah, hundred uh, percent. At this point, or at any point, I would say. Anybody that has a positive uh, attitude towards your business and knows you and wants to support you, they should and you should be uh, asking them to. You know, okay. asking for a review is not a bad thing because at the end of the day, if you don't ask, then you probably won't get as many. Yeah. You know, like you need to really ask for, or, you, or you'll never get as many. You, know, you need to be proactive. You need to be reaching out. So, how is the toolkit going to help? So, we've got mm-hmm. you get the small business toolkit. You're able to connect your Google My Business, which I've been telling people, like, go out and claim it. You can actually connect your GMB and you're, we're allowing them to connect their Facebook within this, within this program, correct? Those are the correct. two platforms. And let's talk a little bit about mm-hmm. how GMB has essentially become or at least taken on features of a social media platform ever since they got rid of Google+. Plus. They've taken on some of those. What can people do within this platform to post to those pages? Why are we connecting them? Yeah, I mean, GMB is more important than ever. And in, in addition to that, I forgot to mention, you can also connect your Google Analytics. So if you do okay. have a website, right. you can actually connect your analytics as well. And then as soon as you make those connections to those accounts, it starts feeding this uh, this user interface, the actual dashboard. It shows up like a pipeline with you know okay. your, uh, your engagement and then your lead flow. Google customer actions like phone calls and clicks and stuff like that. You know, GMB has never been uh, more important than it is right now. It's going to keep, uh, and even with this COVID-19, I mean, go search for a restaurant, go search for any business, and it will show like curbside delivery, you know, like pickup available, like, you know, these hours might be affected, but it's a pop-up today. And uh, there, that's there's, all, there's a lot all of those rel- things, that's all information that you can change within the OMG toolkit, within this platform, mm-hmm. and then it's going to push that information out to you Google my business and your, and your Facebook, yeah. correct? So it's great. As soon as you connect that GMB uh, to the actual platform itself, it will auto-populate with all of your GMB information, right? So, you know, you get it. It doesn't really have a lot of information. You don't have to go out and start filling out all these little things. It will auto-populate, and then you can then go in there and manipulate all of that stuff. So you can say that, hey, you know what? We're finally reopening, grand opening. We can actually go and change our hours of operation or add a new payment method. We're now accepting Apple Pay or Bitcoin okay. or whatever. And then, as you said... There's a whole social media aspect to GMB now. You know, we had Google Plus years ago. They killed that off, and they took a lot of different features from it. One is that social posting function. So, with the social media marketing portion of the small business toolkit, a business can post to GMB and Facebook at the same time. They can connect those things. They can add hashtags. There's a whole gallery of images that they can use if they don't have their own, uh, and they're able to, you know, use that to schedule out posts. So, okay. you know, you have Google My Business, you have Facebook. It's kind of like, yeah, you got to do it there, and then you got to go on the other platform. This is the same thing. You can just do it all in one place now. And the best part is that you can see that engagement and interactions, and then that will also start feeding into that marketing funnel. So you're able to really see like. Google customer actions and things that happen on Facebook and people that interact with the post and all of that kind of stuff. So, okay. What else should we know? So we have, you, you can connect your Google, my business, you can connect your Facebook. We yeah. talked about reviews. Tell me about the review platform. What does this review review platform allow a user to do? So, so the review platform is great because there's really nothing else like, like this system really because of that review platform. Nothing really combines all of these things together. The review platform is amazing because it will, uh, scan the internet once you enter in all of your business information and you'll be able to then see where people are leaving your reviews, right? You'll get notifications like you just got a review left here, 
right? So that's the one thing. It's uh, it's showing you that you know it's it's making it a visible to the business that they can see. Okay, I got a review on uh, Facebook. I got a review on Google My Business. I was notified for that. So you're not having to check your GMB over and over and over. It just shows you um, as a notification. Then there's also the ability to solicit reviews, right? Okay. So to send out review requests, highly um, um, customizable uh, uh, SMS and email templates that a business can go in. They can put their logo in there. They can put their messaging. Thank you so much for supporting mm -hmm. us during this time. We would truly appreciate that you leave a review. And then they're also able to upload their customer lists. So you have, you know, clients that come in, they, they, they do business with you. You have their email address, but you don't have their phone number. Fantastic. You can send an email. You do have their mobile number. You know, it's their mobile. We always know that tons of, uh, you know, engagement takes place within the mobile platform, send it as an SMS. And then uh, the third portion of that too, because there's more with the reviews is that you can answer those reviews from the platform. So you don't have to log on. Okay. I got a review on Google, my business. Now I have to log on to Google, my business. Oh, but I also got one on Facebook. So I got to log on to Facebook. You can literally just Doing do it all from right one place. There. You do it all in one place. You can have kind of like uh, canned responses, but you know, that's what the support is there for there's a whole support behind this where you can call us up you know where um we're, we're doing a uh, you know a complimentary walkthrough of the system okay. where we will show you how to use it i have uh, or we have videos that we've made showing you how to do every single one of these functions so it's not like wow there's this platform here and it's kind of above uh, it's, you know it, it, it's a little bit above my head no it's fine we're going to teach you and we're going to empower businesses to use this to add value to their companies so so if i've know, never if i've yeah. never handled any of this for my mm -hmm. company before i'm joe gym owner and i've never done this before you're going to give me this platform where I'm going to be able to do these things, but you're also not going to just leave me floating out there in the water. You're going to, there are, there are tutorials or videos there that are going to help me manage mm -hmm. this platform on my own. Is that what you're saying? There, there are, yeah, there's a ton of education out there. We, uh, it's available on the platform itself, as well as, uh, you know, we're, we're sending it out, um, during the time, you know, that we're giving this away, you know, it's, it's 90 days or three months. It's a long time. You know, we're yeah. giving you this to truly use it. We want people to use it to add value to their businesses. Like okay. during this time when we know people are suffering financially, uh, this is a way where you can stay on top of all of that stuff. And, you know, the, the education is always out there. Uh, you know, this is going to be coupled with different service and support and, you know, in the future when, um, you know, 24 seven type support, that's really what we're, what, what we're aiming for at this point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can always call us up and you can always ask us, you know, how do I do this? Yeah. Is there a way to make this easier? Yeah, of course there is. And we're always here to help and guide. And Because we supply, keep, we, you know, we, we sell value. this, we sell, we sell something <clears throat> like this. Again, I say we, I, I, I do work for OMG National. We sell a service like this called Local Marketing mm -hmm. Essentials and Local Marketing Basics, which are essentially mm -hmm. uh, managed programs like what we're giving away to somebody. So uh, I shouldn't be scared if I'm somebody who's never done it before because the support is there. But if they needed us after the 90 days or at 60 days, they needed us to help them out, they could upgrade to another program, right? They could basically yeah, hire absolutely. us if they wanted us to do it as well. You know, yeah, you know the look, there, there's going to be, at the end of the day, there's going to be two types of people. Yeah. There's going to be people that are like, yeah, I get it. This is very easy for me. Then they're going to learn it. And some people are just, you know, for them, their time is more valuable than that. You know, they'd mm -hmm. rather pay, you know, the, the, for somebody to do it for them. And we have, as you know, like amazing, uh, you know, professional digital marketing specialists that will run these campaigns, professional advertising specialists. And, you know, this is just a way for them to see the value of OMG national, see what they can do with these products. Cause it's the same exact platform that our professionals are using the okay. same thing. 
It's the same exact thing. And they will have the ability, you know, to then say, hey, you know what? I, I, I do want these forever, right? I do want these things forever. Or we will give them to them and we will definitely allow them to use it on their own. And then they can say, you know what? This is great. I get it. I know why I have to do things like post to social media, answer my reviews, keep my information up to date. But it's just not my thing. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. gym instructor. I'm an owner. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm an owner and operator. Like I'm the kind of guy that manages this. Oh, great. Well, you don't have to hire somebody and, you know, pay for their uh, entire salary plus benefits and then, you know, have them doing this for you. You can have a contact in your office. It can be you and you can just give us the vision and the direction and we're going to help you. We're going to use those best, best practices to, you know, keep this all moving forward. So what's the, where, where can we go? My people are listening right now. Mm-hmm. They want to know where do I go? How do I take advantage of this? Again, doesn't cost them a dime, right? No setup fees, no Absolutely. first month. Where no. do they go? No credit card, no okay. nothing. So we we have a we have a, a page on our site. It's omnash.com slash SMB dash toolkit. Uh, I think that you're going to be putting it up. Uh, yeah, we'll put it in the description well and give so it give it one it. more time. You, you cut it in out a little bit there. Uh, give oh, it sorry. give it the address one more time. It's omgnational.com uh, slash SMB toolkit. I'm sorry, slash SMB dash toolkit. Okay, so we're going to put that on screen when you're saying it in post-production. There's a lot of slashes and dashes. I think what I made, you know, we, we made the landing page. We didn't think, I didn't think I was going to be saying it out loud. Like, I would have put so many dashes and slashes getting a little well, bit confusing. You but, could yeah. scroll down to the description on the YouTube mm-hmm. video. And we always also put it in the description on the podcast. So if you just scroll for more information about the podcast itself, depending on which platform you're using, you're going to be able to see that. So again, to be clear, so this is going to help you connect and manage your Google My Business, your Facebook page. You'll be able to schedule out posts, correct? Schedule out social media posts besides manage those two platforms. And we're Mm -hmm. also giving you the review platform where you can text and or email for reviews from clients, friend, those friends and family members that we're sure. telling you to get testimonials from, you can you can utilize this platform to reach out to them as well. Yeah, and okay. monitor those reviews and answer them on platform. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's the whole package. It's uh, okay. it's, it's something very powerful, you know. But, and I'm proud to you know work for a company that when when we uh, kind of when I brought this to the table and we were talking about you know let's let's just put this out there right now. We are all in a relationship with these small and medium sized businesses. You know we all need each other to survive. So we all got to help each other out through this. I mean it's all about the community and it's about practicing genuine compassion for one another. So okay. it's uh, it's it's a nice thing to be a part of. And, and let's just talk real quickly about. I am a huge fan right now. Again, I talk about this during you know nine to five. Every day I'm talking about this with with clients and uh, and my job, my role at OMG is I'm helping existing OMG clients with roadmaps. Uh, you know, what's next? I'm the what's next guy. What, what do we do now? What do we add onto our program? This is working. This isn't. What do we take? What do we put in? What do we take out? Right now, one of the conversations that I'm having the most is social media, but paid social media, right? Doing Ads on social media, what it's 70%, right? Facebook has usage has gone up 70% since the start of the quarantine. Everyone has a client that has visited their website who also has a Facebook page who you can get an ad in front of right now utilizing Facebook re they call it Google calls it retargeting, Facebook calls it remarketing. You can get Mm -hmm. a remarketing ad in front of that prospect, that client, that student. That mom who's looking to get her bullied child into a martial arts program, we can get an ad in front of them. I think that 
outside of the toolkit, outside of local marketing, it is the most powerful thing, especially for gym owners, gym owners, academy owners, fitness professionals. It is the place to be. Agree? Disagree? Oh, 100 percent agree. You know, at the at the end of the day, the small business toolkit, uh, that's the foundation. Right. That's the foundation of your of your digital marketing. You want to have a solid foundation so you can start doing everything else. Right. So you can start building mm-hmm. the walls and like painting, painting the walls and doing all the wiring and everything. Those are the next steps. Facebook ads right now are incredible because, you know, everyone, I, I, I always have this story, you know, whenever anybody starts working for us and they're like, are they really listening to our conversations? Like, how do they know? How do they know to target me for this? And I'm like, because Facebook has a lot of information about you and you give them a lot of information, everything you do. They're there, listening to you, John. They're listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's more than that though. Yeah. It's more than that because sometimes you're thinking it, right? Yeah. You're thinking it and you're yeah. like, how did they know? <laughs> well, it's because they know you very well. And it's, we're, we're able to take that as a, you know, as a company, we're able to use all of that demographic data about the people that have been on your site, the customers that you've already worked with, create lookalike audiences, you know, grow your actual audience itself. So yeah. And especially right now when people are just like sitting on Facebook all day, I mean, I mean, there's not a lot to do around. So we can really, we can really do a lot more than, than, than we've been able to do with that Facebook ads and uh, uh, program. And I think right now it's, it's, got to be the the best bang for your buck when it comes to uh, advertising for businesses. So very cool. So we'll have them reach out. We're going to have the link again in the description. Um, If you have any questions, you can email me as well. I answer any of the questions that, uh, that we see in our social media descriptions. If you have some more questions about this, you can reach out to me. You can fill out that form. And it is actually, John, you, you would actually be the person getting back to them initially. Anybody who fills out that form is going to be speaking to you at some point. Correct. Yeah, it goes it goes directly into my inbox. I'm the one that right now is setting up these accounts. Uh, I, I'm getting people activated. I'm talking to people. I, I call everyone up. You know, right after that activation, I, I ask them if they want to schedule like a walkthrough to really use it. We, uh, you know, I make sure that they're getting these emails that show tutorials of how to send out a review request, how to add okay. your client base, how to update information on your Google, Facebook. So, you know, we're we're here to help. All we're right. here to help and support. So you're not just a pretty face and an incredible beard. You are also incredibly knowledgeable about this stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll attest to that. So John, <laughs> John, I just want to thank you for doing this. Uh, I appreciate you. I miss you, brother. Normally we see each other at least a few times during the day. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate this. You know, the, I, the, the gym Academy fitness world is going to take a huge hit, especially, you know, jujitsu specifically. It's a very intimate sport. I said it earlier Mm -hmm. on the podcast, we are dripping sweat on each other. We are touching skin to skin. So it's going to be a hard road. It's going to be a long road to get back. So something like this 90 days, uh, uh, or a program that's going to give them 90 days for free, uh, to help them get their, their business on track, I think is an incredible opportunity. So thank you very much and appreciate you doing this. I will see you and and talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, man. All right, brother. Take care. (laughs) Be good. All right, guys. So stick around. I'm going to go over a little housekeeping here with you. Um, Again, great opportunity. Um, It's not something that uh, that the company just does willy-nilly, giving things away like that. So this is a really great opportunity. If you, again, have any questions, just reach out. Let's uh, let's just go through our housekeeping again. Some things have changed. Uh, some things are still the same. But look, we, we love giving stuff away here on the on the program. So uh, on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. You can win a twenty five dollar gift card from the Jujitsu Dummies dot shop. You can also get a bottle of CBD from Fightback CBD. 
Usually, if I'm giving the CBD and, and a gift card away, if you're getting CBD, I'm also giving you a $25 gift card to the shop or if we have a, a, a T-shirt company that's also working with us. So, Fightback CBD. If you want to order from Fightback, fightbackcbd.com. Go to uh, or use code JJD for 15% off your order. Um, side note, on the shop, on the jujitsudummies.shop, it's 10% off. Use code DUMMIESPOD19. And we also do free shipping for orders over 50 bucks, okay? We have some really cool rash guards. We have ranked rash guards that we've added to the site. You can see them up here in the background. Uh, this is uh, Junior's Extra Schmedium. Uh, that's my purple if I have hopefully ever get to wear it. Uh, so we also added something really cool. Everybody's looking for face masks. We, off we added neck gator face shields uh, for... You see uh, landscapers with them a lot, right, Bo? You see they, they pull them up over the nose. It uh, looks like uh, almost a, a turtleneck. You pull it up over your, your nose and your mouth. Uh, women are also able to actually take it and put it up on their hair. If you have long hair, you could put it up as a, like a, a bandana. All right, so those are also on the website. Again, Dummies Pod 19 for 10% off your order. Free shipping on orders over 50 bucks. We also have backpacks, coffee mugs from the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation. So, uh, so please support. Anyone out there that would like to work with us, sponsor the show, donate products, give stuff away, reach out on social media, Jiu-Jitsu Dummies, at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies, pretty much everywhere. And I'm usually the guy that's answering that stuff, all right? Any questions, info at jujitsudummies.com. If you're an old school, old school email guy, you can reach us there as well. Or you can go to the contact page on jujitsudummies.com and you can fill out one of the forms to either suggest a guest, ask a question, um, just interact Podcast patrons for March and April. We are so sorry that we haven't sent out the prizes yet, but I've got packs of geese and I've got t-shirts. I've got everything that we need to send. I just want to wait till we have a safer time to ship. Uh, I can't be running out to the post office. I am not going to send my wife or one of my co-hosts or Bo. We, you know, we, we just want to hold off till things get a little back to, to normal for, for everyone. All right. We do appreciate all of our Patreon supporters you can go to patreon.com forward slash jujitsu dummies to join and support. You are automatically entered. We do two, two drawings every single month now. So that's two drawings of up to $100 in jujitsu swag each every single month for Patreon supporters and for listeners whose questions we've used on the show. All right. So we're opening it up, but we're giving away more. Current patrons, huge shout out and thank you to Michael Pixley Jr. Jason Smiley, Eric Perkins, Britt Tover, James Fisher, CJ Carroll in Mission 22. We mentioned them earlier on the show. Thank you guys for all that you do. Chuck Reddor, our meme guy. Let's get some uh, some memes I can post out to me, Chuck. Uh, Roberto Santiago, and of course, the We Defy F uh, Foundation, wedefyfoundation.org. You can again get me at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Uncle Milty BJJ on IG. And you can get the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation pages uh, on IG at the JJD Foundation, on Twitter at the JJ Dummies FDN. I still don't always get that one right. We're still collecting money on GoFundMe. Anything that we collect, again, on GoFundMe is half for the show. Half goes out to our Jiu-Jitsu scholarships. And until further notice, anything that we split off and give to the foundation 
via GoFundMe is going to go to We Defy. So you still have some time to to get your donations in and, and support us both. All right. That's everything, guys. Thank you so much. We very much appreciate you guys. Thank you to Bo behind the camera. Always appreciate He's my Jamie. And uh, just listen, everybody stay home, stay safe so you can stay healthy. We can get back on the mats as soon as possible. Thank you, everybody. Us. Thank you.